Hello and welcome to My Life on the Line, a podcast by RefCoach. I'm Jack and as always, I'm joined by Alec. On this podcast, we show the humans behind the whistle through the eyes of referees past and present, as well as the broader footballing world. Today's guest is George Lowe from the English Referee Association. We have a great chat with George. We discuss his journey to becoming the chairman of the Referees Association. We talk about the challenges the RA is currently facing and how he's facing into those. We discuss what he wants to achieve during his time in the role. And finally, and maybe most interestingly, we chat about George's why. Why is he so passionate about the RA? It sounds like an exciting time for the Referees Association with George at the helm, and we look forward to seeing what they achieve. Here's today's show. I recommend a on-field review. Stop it, stop it, stop it! George, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you. Really, really excited to uh, have yourself on here. Looking forward to... Uh, our discussion this evening, this morning for you. So thanks for joining us. Okay, thanks for having me. Pleasure, Chair, George. I'm sure uh, things have started to to busy back up on in your part of the world, George. Yeah, all back in full swing. I mean, um, we've done uh, certainly three rounds of, of FA Cup now at this point. Um, there's been two or maybe three rounds of FA Vars as well, plus league fixtures galore. So um, yeah, can't complain. Plenty of football going around at the moment. But first, I'd like to talk about your role. So you're the the chair of the Referees Association in England. Can you tell us a little bit about, first of all, what that role entails? But secondly, how how did you get to this point in, in your refereeing administration side, if that's what you call it? Uh, I suppose if, if I explain a bit around who the RA is first, and that's, that's probably the most important part. Um, so obviously, people don't know, but we, we do actually operate internationally. Um, so anyone who's listening at the moment who's who's not in England, you can be an RA member. We do international sort of memberships. But we're, we're basically an additional support network on top of uh, the Football Association um, and the local county football associations around England. Um, and we, we sort of do a mixture of development. So we hold um, sort of two, I would say, normally in-person events, obviously. How COVID's changed, we've not had them for the past two years. And, and we're looking at how the format changes going forward. But two in-person events... Uh, one around the FA Cup finals, we meet with um, all the FA Cup final match officials the night before their game to, for some sort of training and development evening. Um, and then we also have sort of a, a two-day conference or development weekend, as we've branded it, um, to do some in-person practical and technical training. Um, so aside from that, it's also um, a support side in that um, we've got sort of a really, really, really good welfare and legal team. So if you were to get charged by uh, the FA or your county FA and you wanted to to contest it, um, you can hand it over to the legal team um, and sort of the, the welfare team and see if they can do anything to, to help support you. It might be the fact that they say to you, actually, you know, there's nothing we can do about this charge. You know, you've just been a bit silly. Here's some advice. So next time it doesn't happen again. Or it might be the fact that they're saying, actually, this is quite, quite a hard charge. Um, let's see what we can do. Maybe we can reduce it or get rid of it entirely. Um, so there's that side of it, but also from that support side of uh, if someone has a, a difficult game, um, they can they can email or phone up um, and somewhere in the welfare team will, will have a chat around it. It might be the fact that it's your, your first ever game as a referee um, and you're a bit nervous, you're not too short to do, or you've just come off the game, feeling like it's quite a tough game to be there to support you um, through that as well. Um, 
But it's also now around that we, we're digital and obviously things from COVID has, has changed how things operate. Um, it's trying to enable this access 24-7, 365 days a year. So previously, you'd go to your local RA maybe once a month and that would be it from the RA, but it's now enabling that um, throughout. So the, the, the role of chair sort of fits in with that one in that we, sort of, I say we, I uh, am managing the, the board of the RA. So that's um, nine people, including myself, um, excluding any uh, honor officers and other people that work within some of the sub teams. Um, so it's ensuring that we, we act within the best interest of our membership. So you know, all the projects we undertake, ensuring that that's actually a project that our membership wants us to, to do. Similarly, you know, if we're spending money on anything, so this week, um, this week coming, we're actually launching our new membership portal, um, which will replace um, RAMS, which is essentially administration portal for how to register all of your members and all that sort of stuff. Um, obviously, that's come out of membership money. So we have to ensure that if we are spending stuff, it's stuff that the membership is actually going to want us to spend. We can't just spend it willy nilly. Um, but then from mine, it's also a bit of stakeholder management. So looking at you know what new partnerships we can we can get um, to you know, add another offering. So it could be something like membership benefits. Um, so my my first stint, um, which I'll come on to in a moment, um, I looked after partnerships. We got on stuff like science and sport, pure gym, red driving school, all those extra benefits to help our members. Um, all the way through to to now, my role is looking at the more, more bigger sort of national based ones. Um, and sort of looking at what we can offer back to our membership in terms of developments, the key thing now. Um, key to, um, now that we're having to look at how we we recruit and what sort of members we're getting into the organisation now, it's figuring out what our target audience is now, and development's really the key thing as part of that. Um, but it's also engaging with people like the Football Association, the PGMO. Um, so I, I sit down with the FA um, once a quarter just to go over everything that we're working on. Um, as, as we're keen to obviously work with the FA as much as possibly can, but also the FA is keen to work with us as much as they possibly can as well. Um, although we're two separate organisations, we, we're joined quite quite closely there. Um, so yeah, quite a lot of the time is managing that, managing the board, um, ensuring we're delivering you know what uh, what the membership wants us to deliver ultimately. Sounds like you definitely have your hands full uh, over there with that. And how does your your own refereeing fit with all these incredible amount of things that you have to deal with as a chair for the RI? It, it separates quite nicely um, in the fact that it's broken on quite new. So I only came to the, into chair uh, back end of June, um, start of July. So not many people know know who I am as yet. Um, but I think it's good to keep them separate as well, though. I think you know people um, will, will see it as a, as a similar role, which is what sort of I fell into the trap with um, in that I used to work in, in a county FA, used to be a referee development officer. Um, and I found that very, very quickly... The, the lines between refereeing and and work sort of blurred quite quick. Um, and then that ultimately resulted in not enjoying my football as much and thinking, you know, what's what's the point if I'm working 24-7? So I think I try and keep them as separate as possible. Obviously, if people on, on my games know who I am, open for a chat. Um, but if not, I just tend not to not to bring it up just so I can keep everything as separate as we can. Yeah, that's a great point. It's like, I think over the years, I've always wondered how how you manage mentally that separation because especially with other people it's more the expectation of other people when they meet you and they they know you're you have this role and you you have these responsibilities so they, the way they approach you rather than if you if you are just a ref obviously it's a bit different so i, I guess they relate managing those relationships it's definitely a key part of, uh, of living this double life, this double agent life as a RHA and a, and a referee. 
You touched on your journey to, to your role, current role as chair of the RA, George, and you, you touched on being partnerships manager, but where were things before that for you with the, with the RA? You mentioned you were a referee development officer, but with the RA, how did you first become involved with the RA? So, so we've got to try and remember all the timelines now. So I, this is now my, my 10th, 10th season. So 2011 is when I, when I first qualified. So it was about two years into that. So yeah, it's about, about 2013. Um, there was an application process for the, um, the RAFA Youth Council, which is now branded up as the, the NYRDT, um, so National Young Referee Development Group. As a uh, as a regional representative, so I applied um, was successful. So I was a, was a regional representative for the, the east of England, and what that entailed was um, sort of working with all the the RAs and uh, county FAs in in that region. So in the east, I had eight county FAs, um, and it was primarily around engaging young people. So could that be through a youth council? Could it be through um, some sort of project that the young people can do with their county FA, all that sort of stuff? Um, so I was quite quite successful. So I did that role for for two years, and then um, whilst I was still with the group, um, the previous sort of marketing uh, lead left. So I was then offered um, to continue with the East of England, but also take over marketing and digital. Um, so we got a website, we got you know social media platforms increased, um, and we transformed us digitally. Um, and then it would have been so I left in twenty eighteen. So we were about twenty sixteen. Um, I then became vice chair, um, looking after our development strand. So any event that we did of a, of a development nature, I, I was the lead on. So we held um, two regional conferences or two regional development days. Um, one in um, it was Barks and Bucks FA, and then another one was up in I think it was West Riding um, to give some sort of. It was more. It wasn't referee specific. It was more how can we upskill young people with transferable skills like teamwork, communication, project management, um, all those sorts of things. Um, which then led to our, our national conference uh, or National Development Day, um, which was held at um, normally at St George's Park, um, where we did, again, similar sort of things, practical and sort of theoretical things around transferable skills. So, again, same similar sort of stuff, team building, communication, um, you know, presentation skills, all that sort of stuff to try and uh, enable our young people who were on youth councils themselves or wanted to get into youth councils, um, enabling them to have you know, the best opportunity to do what they do really, really well. Um, and then my, my final year as vice chair, um, we actually held at, um, at Villa Park. So big, big old venue, never been to a football stadium before. Um, and we sort of built up the um, sort of the feeling a bit more in that we held an, an award ceremony as well to recognise um, youth councils and young people who had really sort of excelled over that season. Um, and we were really lucky that we had uh, Chris Cavana join us as well as our guest. Um, so so Chris has been involved before, obviously becoming a Premier League referee, uh, who's heavily involved in county FA setups and youth councils. Um, so he spent the day sort of going around talking to all the, all the participants, finding out a bit about them, um, giving them some tips and tricks. Um, but we also did a development session around refereeing. So after a long day of um, transferable skills sort of training, we then got a nice referee development session at the end of it. Um, so I, I then left that. Um, I felt like I'd out, out, outstayed my, my time. I'd been there for, what, six years, five, six years. I was the, the longest serving member of the Youth Council since it started. Uh, so I thought it was a good time to move on. So I joined the, the RA board in the, the summer of 2018 as a, an honorary officer looking after purely just digital marketing. So... Um, 
yeah, that, that, that grew really quickly um, in terms of digital presence. We went to Instagram for the first time. Um, and within the first, I think it was within the first two weeks, we'd gained 500 followers. Um, all organic, no ads or anything like that. It was very much just through content. So that then sort of spawned onto um, the development of our, our new website. So the website you currently see um, was my, my first project, um, getting that up and running. Um, and then we started working on the members area. Later in that year, I then joined my, my county FA, uh, where ju- just due to due to time, really, I thought I can't really dedicate as much time to you know my my job and re- and sort of RA work at the same time. So I thought, well, obviously the county FA pays the bills, so unfortunately the RA is going to have to take a step back. Um, so I was out of that for a year, and then when I came back again, I picked up um, digital and development. But from a digital perspective, it was more just look, overlooking our, our website members area um, because I'd started the project two years um, previously. I was obviously the best sort of person within the organization to pick that back up again. And then development. So all of our RA development weekends, either final rally um, was all under under myself. When um, when COVID hit, um, it was around planning these uh, development summits. Um, so I don't know whether anyone listening saw any of them, but certainly in January, we held um, a weekend development weekend online. In the April, we then held a week long development summit. And then um, in the in the June, July time, um, we were obviously joined by by you two for another development weekend of sorts, which was really successful. And then it was just through sort of a voting process, really. So part of that season, obviously, I was an honorary officer again um, from when I'd left my time at SXFA. So I was then elected back into into the RA board by the membership, of which at that time, our our current chair or previous chair, should I say, Paul, um, had to step down. He'd served his nine years on the board and you can't serve any more than that in one time. So we then had to hold um, a voting process internally as the board to elect the new chair, which was uh, obviously uh, myself. So it's been, uh, been a long, long journey. It's about you know, it's, it gets you really to appreciate the hard work that, that volunteers put in. Um, you know, I think some people often forget that without volunteers, football just doesn't doesn't stand up. Um, you know, not only in a refereeing perspective, but obviously in coaching and all, all that side of it as well. That that's amazing, George. I, I, I obviously before this didn't know your history in that much detail. So to hear the, I guess, varied roles, different perspectives you've had on refereeing puts you in a really good position to, to be in the role which you are but to go through all of that at a relatively young age as well obviously from the youth council where naturally at young age but through to where you are really gives you quite a I guess unique perspective on refereeing and you touched on something in there which I'm really really passionate about and I think does not get talked about enough in, in refereeing and that's the transferable skills um, I've never heard an association talk about it in the way that you talked about where actually we're trying to build the transferable skills. Yeah, we're doing refereeing obviously, but what we're focusing on today is the transferable skills. So I think that's, that's brilliant because the skills you gain from refereeing, I know personally that they're skills that have managed or have got me to where I am in my life away from refereeing in, in, in work, in personal relationships, etc. So where, where did that come from? Because it, I've never heard a, like I said, an association talk about it before. Yeah, so, so we're going that one step further now this year. And I was I was sitting there when I was writing the strategy for the board um, for the next few years, thinking, okay, what what can we do as an organisation to support young people? Yeah, we can give them development sessions, we can give them mentoring, we can give them coaching, um, you know, discounts off driving lessons, that sort of stuff. But realistically, what what's going to make you firstly a better referee, but mainly a, a better rounded individual? And I thought, okay. 
within refereeing, you can take a couple of things out of refereeing and, and apply it to to daily life. So I'm I'm a teacher. Um, so refereeing to me, so with refereeing, you're managing 22 players on the pitch um, to bring the game to a safe conclusion. Similar with teaching, you're managing sort of 25, 30 kids um, in order to give them a safe learning environment to what they've got to learn. So I thought, okay, how can we apply this now to what we offer as an association? So, okay, we can do some transferable skills, but also one step further in the fact of thinking of our young people in that, you know, they're that time of their life where they're probably going to get their, their first jobs. They're applying for different roles. So instead of just transferable skills, let's give them more work-related stuff. So we're um, partnering up with some, some national organisations to run stuff like CV workshops, interview skills. Um, so not only are they going to pick up communication presentation skills naturally through our other sessions, but they're actually going to pick up other things that will help them apply for jobs and hopefully get that better level of job um, as a result of it. You know, organisations, when they see refereeing on a CV, um, they're automatically really, really interested and want to find out a bit more. So if they've got that legging with refereeing, we can give them some transferable skills to communicate that message over, but also help them make a good CV and interview. Um, I think it's quite empowering for a young person to have those skills going into an interview where you know most other young people wouldn't have those skills going in. So it's around you know, ensuring that our, our members are best prepared for life, um, both as a referee, but also an individual. That's outstanding. I think that's, that's a brilliant yeah. perspective. Yeah, I, I, like, I know you and I talk about this a lot. Like That is such a holistic approach to refereeing um, that just really isn't discussed enough. And you talked about empowering people. I think that's an incredible way to look at refereeing. It's so underlooked and undervalued, you know, how much refereeing can give you for your real life for your everyday life and for work and all those things that you just mentioned, George. And it's, I just, I loved listening to you saying those things because it's really, I think it's really important for the development of, of young men and women that get into refereeing as well, giving them these skills because it's not just a hobby to just run around the park and make 20, 30 pounds or 20, 30 dollars on a weekend, but it's actually building skills. Uh, do you think that plays a role in recruitment and retention for your members? Uh, do you think, Maybe because I can see how sometimes it could be hard potentially for younger kids to understand how important that aspect of refereeing can be. I'd like to think so. I mean, I think it's, it's all around providing value for money. Obviously, our members pay a fee every year. Um, and I think in previous years, they've probably not got that return in that before COVID, if you didn't go to a development weekend or you couldn't make your... Um, your local association nights, you've essentially spent, I don't know what, anything between 25 and 30 pounds a year for, for absolutely nothing. Um, so it's now ensuring that obviously we invest that money that they give us um, in so it's going to be really, really worthwhile. And I think if that means, you know, spending some money to have, I don't know, someone at Barclays come in and talk about how to write a good CV, although it was only going to obviously um, uh, be appropriate for a, for a small amount of the membership rather than all of our membership, I think it's it's something that is worth investing in. Um, ultimately, you know, as much as we want to ensure all of our members are catered for, the future of both the RA and refereeing as a whole is obviously young people. They're all going to be coming as brand new referees at 14, 15, 16 off these referee courses. Um, so we need to ensure that we've got the right things in place as an association to support them in partnership with the FA. If you have any questions or topics you'd like us to discuss on the podcast or in the Facebook group, send us a message on Facebook or contact us via our website, refcoach.org. 
George, it's great to hear about the journey you've had and, and as you could probably hear or people listening could hear, Ale and I got very excited when you started talking about a holistic approach to referee and it's, it's, it's just brilliant. We love it. It's, it, it's great. Um, and hopefully more associations can see and have that approach because I think it's just so much value to retention, referee enjoyment and ultimately making better people, which makes better referees. Um, but I'd love to get your perspective on, on the RA of the past. Okay, so you, you've obviously talked about there's a lot of changes you've implemented, but I remember when uh, I was an RA member, uh, I was a member of Southampton and Eastleigh uh, just over 10 years ago. Um, and it was brilliant. I got so much out of it. But a lot of the people running the RA uh, of, or in the past were older gentlemen. What sort of challenge does that present? Uh, how how do you think that impacts people's perceptions of, of the RA? I think part of it's a, a buy-in perspective. So we saw um, at the, the AGM just gone, so we put in probably one of, the, one of the biggest constitutional changes for a very long time, where in order for our new membership system to work, we're enabling people to be what we're classing as an online member. So you can register as a direct member um, online via the website. And if you do that, you're then built into a subscription year of 365 day coverage rather than a membership year. Um, but our more, um, I suppose our more experienced RA members who have been with us a long time saw that as a, as a threat to LRAs and the fact of, well, you're letting people register online. So that's going to take away local members. Um, so I think that the split in voting was 60% for, 40% against. It was the tightest we've seen for a very, very long time. And that's more down to their understanding, the fact that they probably weren't aware that we've been doing online direct membership for, for years, but they've just run in a membership year, i.e. from the, the 1st of October through to the 30, 31st September. So that is, I think, partly sort of changing their mindset, but I think it's also around changing the, the perception of, of the RA. So I, I speak to lots of people, both uh, who are members, non-members, people within football, within the FA, um, and the, the general perception of the RA still, despite being in 2021, um, is that it's an old boys club who sits at the back of a pub talking about you know what Premier League decisions were got wrong at the weekend by these referees which, you know, for a start, for under 18 is obviously a safeguarding issue in that they shouldn't be in a pub, not an appropriate venue, but also you're not gaining anything from doing that. Um, so that's where we've seen some, not all, but some associations fold with, over the past couple of years because they've very much been, they've sat at a pub talking about, you know, decisions they just grew over the weekend. So it's around changing that. That's, that's a big thing which I'm looking at trying to change, which is why the focus now more on development in that, ensuring that our LRAs have got suitable venues. I'm not saying you've all got to be in a Premier League football ground with access to a pitch and that sort of stuff, but just somewhere which um, is appropriate for, for an under-18 referee. Um, but even to help support them with that, one thing we're, we're working with the FA and the PGMO on, um, um, as well as hopefully um, hopefully you two as well, of course, um, is around a county FA, well, not county FA, a, a local RA development programme where we can say at the start of every season, right, here are 10 development sessions or 20, how many sessions we want to do. So right, here's some sessions for you for the season. If you're stuck for a presenter one night, you don't know what to do, um, or it's really last minute, here's a presentation. It's got some clips in there. It's got some discussion points. It's got some tangible um, outcomes that can really develop a referee. 
um, in the aim that is going to attract more more young people. Um, in that, I think it's, it's important that we we make sure our experience, long serving RA members aren't forgotten, but it's also ensuring that we give it an environment for our young people to want to buy into and want to be part of. Yeah, and I, I think that's a a big challenge, and I'm sure the RA isn't alone in facing that challenge. There'll be many other um, associations, societies who, who are facing that exact same challenge. Nothing springs to mind, unfortunately, apart from, from other sports, you know, perhaps rugby union. It's a big challenge to take on, though. So, it's, you know, it's, it's very it's remarkable to hear that you really – it sounds like you're really taking this um, – that you really care about it all and you're very passionate about it, which is great, obviously, for, for their right. Well, that's why we've got a big, big strategy change um, in that, you know, since the, the Board of Inquiry pulled the previous chairs done a, a brilliant job in getting us back out of a pretty dark place. You know, the RA was, yeah, it wasn't in a good place. It was about, well, what, about six, seven years ago. So it's done a brilliant job in getting us out of that. But I think we've almost stood still at the same time We've done the same events. We've offered the same product. Uh, we've offered it the same price. There's nothing exciting for people anymore, which I think is why we've lost that attraction from younger people because they thought, well, it's the same as it always has been. What's the point? But now we've got such a bigger digital offerings where you can you know, sit there at one o'clock in the morning because you can't sleep and watch a session by Anthony Taylor or whoever it might be. I think it makes it more more attractive now. So yeah, so it's a big, big step change in the strategy I've put together. But it's that, it's that development focus now, ensuring we can develop individuals on and off the pitch, whilst also ensuring from a from a welfare and a safeguarding and a, and a legal perspective, they're supporting the best way they possibly can be. Um, so yes, we'll, we'll see. It's, it's positive so far. Lots of changes have happened and and um, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's all positive at the moment. So do you still have um, the local RAs will still function in their own right, in their own capacity? Is, is that right? Yeah, so one thing we've actually changed for this year is I've, I've created a new role um, of an LRA engagement lead because something which I keep banging onto the board um, every single meeting is that we're in our positions because our membership wants us to be in these positions. So everything we should we are doing should be a decision based around what our membership wants us to do. So we've got an LRA engagement lead in place and we're building an LRA engagement panel. So... And um, we've invited lots of different RAs. It, you know, it's not just your, your big ones like your Sunderlands, your Wolves, your Harrows. It's also some of your smaller ones like your, your North Staffordshire's, your, your your Cornwalls, you know, your smaller ones, but also obviously from different parts of the com- country. So we've got Norwich involved and, and that sort of stuff as well, where these these groups of people can say, actually, why are you doing that? That's no rubbish. Stop doing it. It's a waste of money, waste of time. Instead, give this a go. So if anything, now is the time where LRA is going to be even closer to us at the board level in that I don't want us to just do things saying, yep, that sounds good, let's roll with it, without consulting, in the first instance, our LRA panel uh, or count, uh, our local RA panel, rather. Because um, I think it's, it's a membership-based organisation. We've got to do what the membership wants us to do within reason. So why not get them involved as much as we possibly can? Yeah, absolutely. And, and the reason I ask was purely from a personal perspective and agree with everything you've said about um, you know, uh, the RA is perhaps an organisation that is, is going through a, a lot of change. But when I was a 14, 15-year-old referee starting out, the the local meetings were probably the best place for me to learn, uh, importantly, meet referees who are my age because there was no opportunity to do that 
generally uh, different now, but that was 10 years ago because you'd go out and you'd ref your under 12, under 13 games. For me, it was in the Southampton Tyra League. And yeah, you might meet a referee. There's a couple of grounds at a venue, a couple of pitches, but otherwise there was no opportunity to meet other referees my age. It was really would really would have been quite isolated if it hadn't been for that. That's something we, we want to make sure we don't lose as well. And that's why we want to try and support our LRA as much as we possibly can, because obviously without them being there, particularly for our newer members, it loses that um, that interaction side of it. You know, when they go out as a team of three, their first ever line, they're going to have no idea who other assistant is and the referee is. Whereas if they're part of uh, an LRA, they can actually meet them. Obviously, it's probably going to be miles before the appointment comes, so they can meet them. You know. Every month during the season, all of a sudden, February, you know, midweek comes up and you've with two people that you've thought, oh, I met them at my RA last week um, or oh, I'm seeing them tomorrow night, I'll have, I'll have a catch up with them. So I think as much as obviously the digital age is now upon us and we're doing more and more things digitally, I think it's important that we do keep, obviously, at the moment with, with COVID still around, kind of trying to keep things as, as face-to-face as possible still and supporting our RAs to, to do in-person sessions because without that, I think it loses that camaraderie, you know, I've thought about over the years the amount of really good evenings I've had with my LRA um, or LRAs rather as I've moved around the country, um, which you know without refereeing is probably quite a quite a dull place to be if you're not with people having a laugh, having a joke, um, you know, enjoying some sort of good development session. Um, it's very much like I said, it's very isolated. You're very much on your own, and that's that's how it is. So I think yeah, LRAs serve a really important um, important part of of the RA both now but also I think in the future as well. Yeah, there's no Zoom meeting that can replace a face-to-face uh, chat, a bit of banter, and having a laugh with, with people in real life. No, exactly. Do um do many of the local associations, George, have relationships with clubs and in particular academies related, related to those professional clubs? Because I remember one great thing coming out of uh, Southampton RA was I got the opportunity to uh, referee games at the academy, which is a... 14-year-old was, first of all, I thought, wow, this is amazing because all of a sudden, you know, you're refereeing Premier League academy teams, Southampton, Chelsea, West Ham. Um, but is that by coincidence that I managed to do that or, or is that uh, something that is promoted through the local associations nationally? It depends on the, the county FA, obviously. And then Hampshire, you're lucky they've got your Albert there who is tremendous. Yeah. The amount of work he puts in... Um, he was amazing. amazing, like, yeah, and he was uh, he was one of the first people uh, person I spoke to when I got my when I made my A League debut as well. It was uh, just Albert, I'll come, you know, you you took me as a fourteen year old, and now I've got to hear and to thank him for his tireless work. Yeah, so I think it varies. Some county FAs sort of wouldn't say outsource as such, but give it to, to other people. So like Albert, who um, is obviously an RA member as well. So, you know, he might offer them to, to Southend RA and say, right, I've got some games this weekend. Any of you available? Then obviously, if not, go out to the wider audience. It's something which which I try to bring in um, with my county FA. So we've got we've got two academies. We've got, well, three technically. We've got um, Colchester United, Southend United, and then we've got a regional talent club for, for girls football. Um, but for, for whatever reason, it never, never came to fruition. So that is still controlled by, by the county FA because the aim is, you know, again, to try and, give something else for these LRAs to try and sell in the fact of that if you're a member of Colchester RA, we'll put you on Conite under 12s, we'll give you a mentor to coach you for the day and give you some, you know, some on-pitch advice. Um, because unfortunately, 
again, depends on the county, but unfortunately, you know, there's not very many mentors going out and about and actually mentoring. So if we, you know, from an R perspective, we can bring people to, to one place, it's, it's happy days, which is one thing we're, we're working with. Uh, we're in talks with, with a company at the moment who um, do, they do all sorts of stuff. They do a mixture of schools and I suppose academy really. So from a school perspective, they do your ski trips, they do your football tours to Holland, that sort of stuff. Um, but also within that, they work with schools and, and academies for UK-based tournaments. So there's a tournament happening, it's two, two actually, during the, the Easter holidays down in, in Somerset. And we're, we're in talks with them at the moment for us to essentially supply these two tournaments with, with RA members, but also with coaches on top of that to help support them. Um, and that's one thing we, um, so I sat down with, with Dan Meeson at the FA about a week, week and a half ago and said, okay, this is what we've got planned. Is there a way that we can link this up with, with FA Core in that we can say to our members, okay, if you attend these tournaments, obviously you'll be refereeing your team. You know, so there's some academy teams like Norwich, Charlton, but also your, re, your independent schools as well, who um, if you two aren't, aren't aware, normally your independent schools, in my opinion, are often better than your academy football. You get some really, really good players in there. So we're saying to them, you know, as I remember, you can referee at these tournaments. You'd also get match day coaching from whichever mentors or coaches are provided. But on top of that, you might also be scouted into FA Core, which you know, any any young referee in England who wants to progress, they want to be part of FA Core. So by giving them that additional opportunity, I think it's quite attractive. So yes, we, we, we're working on that. So hopefully in the next few months, we'll have some actual in-person development on the pitch work that we can we can add sort of to our, our membership offering that even includes the fact that uh, we'd have some sort of evening development as well so obviously these these weekend tournaments often you, you stay for the weekend so on let's say the saturday night after your first lot of games we'd then have a keynote speaker to do a session around i don't know free kick management or you know managing games under pressure because the next day is all the finals that sort of stuff so yeah so it's almost like a mini development weekend on its own but it's more about being how can you be the best referee this weekend and how can you do your absolute best to hopefully get into the fa core program we hope you're enjoying being part of the ref coach community invite your colleagues to join us and you in the facebook group and get involved in the conversation george let's talk about the future in 10 years time where do you see the ira being what do you see there? the IRA role being for younger referees, but also for all referees all around England? So I'll, I'll go for a slightly different time frame in that. Obviously, the maximum I can serve is nine years. So I'm going to go for nine years rather than 10, um, just to be pedantic. Close enough. <laughs> uh, I think, that for me, the key thing is, I suppose, getting, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, get, getting our house in order in that, ensuring that the offering we we provide is the best it possibly can be. And which obviously results in an increase in membership um, so that we can, you know, I think an, an overall aim that I've got for the future, be that five years, nine years, not too sure, is that I want our, our membership to be so high in that we can offer something like the RA Development Weekend for free of charge, in that we can say to our members, right, because there's so many of you, you know, and obviously we're a not-for-profit organisation, so we're reinvesting that money anyway, but we can say to them, actually, there's so many of you now, we can cover our development weekend and you don't have to pay for it. So all your rooms are included, your meals included. Um, you know, if you want to get a mini bus for your LRA, that's included. Because I think at the moment, you know, depending on the venue, people are paying anything between, I don't know, £100, £150 plus for the weekend, 
which again, think about the target audience I'm looking to involve now of our young people, you know, 14, 15 year old, they're not going to have, you know, they're, apart from refereeing, they've got no income. Um, so they're not going to be able to afford £150 for a, for a weekend. So I think that's something which I'd really like to happen in that our event weekend is free of charge to all members because our membership is that high. And who knows, it might be so high in the fact we can say, actually, we're going to do one development weekend up in the north and we're going to do one in the Midlands and one down south. And again, it's still free of charge. So I think that's somewhere I'd like to go if we can. I think that'd be really, really cool. I think that actually, for me, that'd, that'd probably be the best best RA benefit we could offer our members. And in fact, if you pay £30 a year for argument's sake, and even if you just go to Dev Weekend, which is 150 quid, you have saved, what, £120. So I, I think that could be really powerful. But I think one thing I'd, I'd really like to do more towards, obviously, that, that eight, nine-year mark, uh, once we've got um, our own membership sort of sorted and growing and sort of self-sustainable, is I'd like to see where where else we can go with it. And the fact that, obviously, our name is, is quite generic. It's the Referees Association. So I don't see any reason in the future, not right now anyway, but maybe in the future of branching out to England Rugby. Uh, and providing some sort of service for, for their referees, or maybe um, you know, England cricket for the umpires, or um, you know, other different sports. But even on, on that thing, even internationally, so we do offer international memberships at the moment, um, which basically is the exact same thing as being a normal member, apart from you don't get the insurance because um, obviously you have to get a different insurance policy abroad and, and all that sort of stuff. But what would be really cool is that we almost have sub branches which are affiliated. So we could have the French Referees Association, for example, who are part of the RA here in that they maybe, you know, they affiliate to us, but that's about it in terms of their finances. Maybe that comes from French Football Federation. Obviously, all of our, our funding is, apart from membership, um, is the FA and the PGMO. Um, so obviously, I'd, I'd imagine, well, I'll say I imagine, I know that sort of these organisations wouldn't want us to be spending their money abroad they'd want it to be kept for the development of English referees here in England so it'd be cool for you know there to be a, a, you know, a French RA who affiliates through us uses all the same benefits we get but obviously funded through French Football Federation Liga Earn and that sort of stuff so in that way it's a bit more of a, an international network so when we spoke about you know the fact you can go to your local RA have a bit of a laugh um, have a good evening's entertainment in that we can eventually then replicate that abroad so we did a trial with um, with Dan at, at Tournaments Abroad um, about two years ago, where as a member benefit, you'd get priority booking, I think a discount to different tournaments abroad. And I think from an RA network perspective, it'd be really, really, really interesting, to be fair, in that with their partnership, we could say, right, the RA is exclusive for Iber Cup Estrial, let's say. And we've got such a big international network that we've got RA members from around the world coming to Portugal for a tournament. I think that'd be, I think that'd be really, really cool, really interesting to, to look at. But obviously, the main thing is obviously increasing our RA membership first, engagement with young people. You know, I mean, looking at things at the current state, I mean, refereeing numbers in England's about 28,000, give or take. And out of that, those who are members is about 4,000. So we've got quite a small percentage. So obviously... Ideally, we'd like all 28,000 to be RA members. Um, obviously, we can't force them to be part of it. It's very much optional. But I think that's a name that I'd have towards the end of my, my tenure, providing, obviously, I keep getting voted in, in that I'd want to see, you know, at least 20,000 of those 28 as RA members. Um, so we can then, again, just 
plow that money straight back into what we do again give free i don't weekend one thing i was looking at is the the ra incentive scheme or the fa incentive scheme which was a few years ago which jack you might remember and the fact that you know if we've got such a big membership we can then think actually let's reward our members once you've done 100 games here have a polo shirt you've been a member for 10 years here we go have a have a kit you know in some sort of incentive scheme to get people to think actually i want to go out and referee i want to be an ra member because i want to get my free kit this year or i want to get my new set of flags or one of the things you can't get anywhere anymore is um the the flip coins so i don't know jack if you had one or not um it has sort of the fa three lines on the front and some assistant referee flags in the back can't get them anywhere anymore but you could through the fa incentive scheme so i think yeah from, from a uk perspective Obviously, growing our memberships, we can invest that money back into Dev Weekend so people get free tickets for the whole weekend. Some sort of incentive scheme to really, you know, because at the moment we only recognise our people who have done long service, um, it's like 50 years, and that sort of stuff, which if you're a young referee, you're sitting there thinking, 50 years is a long time. Can I do something in between? So if we can give them something after their first 10 games, once they've just done their course, once they've done their first season, all these little milestones to make their membership that little bit more worthwhile. And then, yeah, I think absolute end game for my my nine years is if we've got some sort of international offering or within other sports, I think that's a really cool avenue to, to look at. But obviously for now, the focus is, is refereeing. Uh, within football and obviously just in um, in England. I was actually really curious to ask you, and you partially covered this, say Ale from Australia wants to become an RA member. What are the benefits? Well, what's involved with it? And obviously you mentioned those partnerships with uh, Referee Abroad or, or all those other schemes, that those are definitely part of it. Is there anything else that would fit into that? The online stuff comes in now. Um, and that one thing oh, we've yeah, not really course. utilized since it was built was we've got this members area, which... Not many people actually use it because it's not really signposted, um, but it's some really good content on there. So, you know, one thing I've tasked the digital team is actually we want to point more people to our members area now. Um, and say, so, oh, look, we've got this really cool video. Have a look. Let us know what you think. Or here's a presentation from, I don't know, uh, the PGMO around managing confrontation. Go take a look. Um, so as, a, as an international member, although you can't get our insurance and realistically the the, the discounts that we get probably won't apply because unless they're an international brand you won't have access to them but i think an international member can still get all of our our great content be that a development session um be that a video clip to look at a a laws of the game quiz um access to our we're still looking at doing online summits so we're still going to do development weekend even final rally in person like we've done always um but also still continue our summits we've done for the past year so as an international member you can get access to that as well so it's just basically anything that is not in person unless of course you want to fly over for a different weekend which um obviously i'm a little bit biased but i'd say it's worth it um really good weekend um but other than that yeah that's why i want to expand our digital platform a bit more not only to help those who want to sit at home um whilst they eat their dinner or watch love island or eastenders whatever it is you know watch a bit of refereeing at the same time george has been fantastic spending the evening uh, the last hour or so chatting w- with you. I- I've learned a lot. It sounds like there's a heck of a lot of exciting stuff going on at the RA. There's one question I have, but it's about you. So all of this brilliant stuff and you're clearly really motivated to, to drive the RA forward, but what underpins that motivation? What's your, what's your why? Why do you do what you do? So everything, even looking at sort of what I do do now within teaching, but County FA set up, all that sort of stuff. It's all around um, sort of a, cre- a key career driver for me is around that people development side. In that, if I know that I've helped develop 
one person, then that's satisfaction for me. So that's why I became referee development officer. I wanted to to train people who wanted to be referees and teach them how to referee. I wanted to support individuals to be the best referee they, they possibly can be. Um, similarly within teaching, I want to ensure the, the young people who um, who I teach come out with the, the best possible results they possibly can do to set them up for the best possible life ahead of them, be that in whatever, whatever career, whatever journey they want to go down. So for me, that's where the RA can step in that not only can we support those who um, want to progress, want to push on, really ambitious, but also select, you know, you know, look after your your Joe public referee who goes above and beyond every single week without getting anything out of it from a development perspective. So if I can, as as my role as chair, um, you know, help develop one individual referee over the season, yes, yeah, it's, it's not a good return in the fact you've got you know 4,000 5,000 members and you've only helped one of them it's not a very good statistic but from from my personal satisfaction wise I've developed an individual I've you know thinking about our stuff earlier around transferable skills by organizing a CV workshop for for referees this one referee's actually now got a job out of it um to me I've helped develop that individual um which is what what I think the RA is about you know developing individuals but that's that's my real driver behind it. If I can help develop someone um, in any shape or form, be that to be a better referee or a better rounded individual, um, then then I'm happy. That's that's my my job done for for the day on that. I think that's fantastic. That's a lovely. I think that really encapsulates everything we've discussed during this episode. Really, really nicely that having that mindset and that approach underpinning everything is going to develop the referees as as people which obviously then has has outcomes right the way through football but also through their lives so i think that's a a really really lovely place to end this to end this episode um i imagine people both domestically in in england and, and also internationally have got quite excited about what's going on at the ra i know that we have from listening to this how do people get involved yeah, so we've 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 got a website, so that's um the dash ra.org. Um that's takes from our main site. Um alternatively we've got obviously Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, um to obviously get in touch with any of those sort of channels. Um alternatively, my direct email is is chair at the dash ra.org. So more than happy for if any questions come in. But um at, at the moment the best way to be a member is is locally, um, because obviously we want to ensure that we've got lots of people out and about locally engaging with each other. Um, but in the next, um, hopefully the next two to three weeks, we'll have our new, um, direct membership portal up and running. So if you're an international member or you don't have a local RA near to you, um, you'll be able to register online as direct member as well. And, uh, talk about international association, George, I typed in their, their array.org and the first, uh, banner on top, it's Jared Gillette, one of our own from Australia talking about Carabao Cup appointments. <laughs> Yes, it's, 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 I think that's quite an interesting one in that I suppose it's the first, yeah, it's probably like the, the first sort of, not transfer as such, but it's the first time that a referee's really, really moved and still refereed, if that makes yeah. sense. Obviously, Clattenburg did it when he went off to off to China, and I suppose that was the first first big name. But I think it's interesting how Jared's gone from, from Australia into the championship um, in England, then progressed on. Obviously, he's now got his first... Um, UEFA appointment as, as VAR. Um, so who knows, end of the year, he might be FIFA again. Um, so I think that's quite an interesting one, that it shows that 
Uh, refereeing is still quite transferable internationally as well. In that the skills he's picked up um, in Australia has actually helped him be, um, you know, from what I've seen, a really promising up-and-coming referee in England. George, it's been a, a great evening understanding your plans for the RA, what's going to happen in the future, and, and also your journey and your motivations. It's been really, really insightful and enlightening, uh, to be honest. So thank you very much for giving up your time to, to join us. We really, really appreciate it. And to be honest, I can't wait to see what you do in the future with the RA. No, thank you for having me. It's been good to, uh, good to chat about what we do, what we're about. Um, and hopefully, you know, someone out there listening will, will think actually this is something that I, I want to be part of. So, uh, no, thanks for having me.